My name is Ethan and I'm your host for episode 11 of the Career Tape Series podcast at Brickfields Asia College. In this episode, I would like to welcome Ms. Kimiko and Ms. Yeni from Robert Walters. We'll be discussing on certain aspects of law school, opportunities within the market, skills and tools that will be useful in the long run, as well as understanding the progression and what Kimi and Jenny do every day with their legal background. Thank you for taking the time and coming on board with me today. And how are you doing? Hi, Ethan. I think Thanks we're very for good. having us. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much, man. All right. Thank you so much. Um, I think let's proceed to the first question. So how is your career journey so far? Uh, maybe Kimi, you can go first. Yeah, thanks. Really appreciate having us um, on this episode of Career Tape. Um, as a quick introduction, I think my career journey so far, starting from education, has been BAC born and bred really. Having done A-levels, the first two years of law school before my transfer to the University of Liverpool for my final year and then coming back to do CLP, all with BAC. I never doubted when I was studying that I wanted to complete pupillage and get called to the bar. So I did just that. I chambered with Wong and Partners and then I stayed on in construction litigation practice and the exposure was just great. I worked on disputes in courts, arbitration and adjudication and had the steepest learning curves. But throughout practice, I knew that there were other opportunities out there for me to explore that could make use of my legal background. And I then found out about my current role while job hunting on LinkedIn. Many conversations later, here I am, senior consultant within the Robert Walters Legal and Company Secretary recruitment team for almost close to two years now. I'm still very much involved in the legal industry, and it's really been fascinating to see the industry develop from both a hiring and candidate talent pool perspective. Nice one, Kimi. So hi, everyone. This is Jenny. I'm a recruitment consultant from Robert Walters, Malaysia. Um, like Kimi, I also specialize in legal and corporate secretarial across all industries and practice groups. Very, very big thank you to, uh, obviously, BAC uh, and Ethan yourself for making time for us. So I'm very proud to share also that I'm also one of a benefactor for the 1 plus 2 UK transfer program just some years ago uh, by Brickfields Asia College. In fact, when I was still based in the Brickfields uh, campus, I actually got to enjoy the pisang goreng. I think it's still there. The earlier days of Motis Matai. And I think also the pot noodles, which was, I think, which is also still there right now. Now, after my BAC time, uh, I went on to Cardiff University for two years and then completed the bar professional training course in City, University of London. I was a pupil in Chambers at Shuklin and Bok. I went on to be an associate at Cardia Andrian Partners. Um, then from Cardia Andrian Partners, my boss, my ex-boss, uh, Mr. Wong Kahui, uh, he went on to set up his own firm and I followed him there as well, which he called as KH Wong & Co. I think my career path into the legal practice does not stray afar from my fellow comrades who have shared their stories on this platform. I would in fact echo several points uh, as my personal takeaways from legal practice. Like Kimi, I'm very much looking forward to share more with you over this discussion. All right. Thank you so much, Kimi and Jenny, for giving the introduction. So, uh, Jenny, I actually wanted to ask about your legal edu education journey. Thanks for sharing about it again. Uh, could you share with us how much of what you studied in law school sets you for success in your legal career? Thanks for the question, Ethan. Okay. So, I think, um, good question. I think in pursuing a legal career in Malaysia, I think it's important to bear in mind that there is an oversupply of LLB graduates whether that be from local or universities uh, from abroad. I think understanding as a start, understanding that as a start will help you to think about why the legal practice landscape in Malaysia is such that academic qualifications, university branding, 
and other certifications for scholarships, awards, and extracurricular participations are typically, but not invariably, the first filters hiring managers and recruitment consultants will look at, uh, I guess, in going through tons and tons of CVs, whether it's for internships, pupillages, uh, or even you know, going in as an associate or an in-house lawyer. But in my observation, this is by no means a conclusive factor towards any job applications. Personally, Ethan, I think I tend to select subjects and modules which will en enable me to excel at my LLB to pave the way for strong academic credentials. How I would make my selection would start first with my interest in the subjects and also to think about how those subjects will enable me to have a prelude towards those practice areas which I am keen to explore. But that said, what you studied at law school or for some others, uh, the GDL program and its equivalents, that is not conclusive of what you ultimately choose to practice or specialize in. During my LLB and the BPTC course uh, in, in City, I elected subjects relating to criminal law, thinking that I would actually become a criminal defense lawyer. But of course, having returned to Malaysia, although I decided to pivot away from the criminal practice, the core subjects and electives, uh, modules electives, which uh, I took, had enabled me to have some form of foundation to better approach, I think, your typical evidence law, opinion writing, um, as well as oral advocacy for those who are keen to go on for the dispute resolution route. Now, what if, for whatsoever reasons, that your LLB qualifications do not lend you the strong credentials on paper? Are you then set to failure in your legal career, you might think? Now, what I am about to say should not in any way uh, you know, lend you the courage to aim lower than the best that you can. But I will look into the context from which your results or grading came about, right? So perhaps you were an award-winning or avid mutter year on year. Perhaps you had exceptional entrepreneurial skills and participation in your extracurricular activities. Perhaps you can demonstrate an excellent grasp in certain core subjects uh, in your law school. Or perhaps you have a blog with write-ups and incisive publications which contributed to a practice area or a topic or issue which is of your interest. Or perhaps you are able to demonstrate relevant and hands-on work experience from your in-house legal or compliance experience uh, you know, opportunities that you had. I would urge you to think about how you can leverage on these things to strengthen your CV, to have sufficient and tangible experience to share first, giving context to balance out a lacking on the academic credential side. But of course, those are my thoughts. All right. Thank you so much, Jenny. Um, actually, I would like to agree with you on um, the key points that you raised, especially on how um, that academic credentials are still no doubt one of the strongest hitting factors. But it, there are many other ways that students who might not excel academically, they could uh, fill in the role and I mean, like fill in the gaps for other areas. So um, sure, does it matter? Yeah who you work with at the law firm and which practice group you are retained under? I mean, like moving aside from this topic. Sure. Uh, I'll take it uh, on this point as well. I think, of course, Ethan, it is easy to blast out, you know, your CVs and your applications to every law firm listed on perhaps Legal 500, right? Because it's, it's just right on, on Google. Just click it up, right? Or even perhaps sending those applications out to every law firm you can see on LinkedIn and Job Street with, a, uh, you know, on the job portals. I think I will extend my research on law firms to go beyond mere recognitions, accolades, and dollars and cents. But don't get me wrong, uh, Ethan, that is a good start. But I would say do not stop there. I will look into which practice areas the firm has been recognized for, who are the partners, the senior associates, and the associates I would be working with if I were to join that particular law firm. And I think more importantly, the values 
which bind the firm's practice and culture. I will definitely try to understand whether the team is expanding on its headcount or actually making a replacement of a previous headcount. With the right people, right opportunities, and the right culture fit. Granted, of course, that you are a keen learner with the tenacity and resilience which we find employers tend to look for. Um, you are more likely to set yourself on a pathway to grow and to fulfill your potential uh, you know, in, within the legal career. You might think, of course, how would I know what it is like there in that particular law firm? And this is when I would have to ask uh, you know, our fellow listeners you know, to think about, have you done your rounds with internships? You know, potentially, have you done your rounds at networking events or even you know, participate on webinars, just listening to webinars and podcasts to, to, to ensure that you keep yourself fully abreast on the deal developments? Have you done your rounds you know, having a chat with career counsellors, your seniors who have graduated first or have went on to become senior associates or even in-house lawyers, or even just having a chat with a recruiter who you know, perhaps you have acquaintance with? With that in mind, I am of the view that it does not matter, it does matter, sorry, it does matter who you work with. And I would urge you to approach this with thoroughness on your approach uh, in terms of research on the various aspects that I've mentioned earlier. All right. Um, I think that that's a very sensible point that uh, a lot of students or anyone looking to land a job should have, especially on the research uh, area. Uh, having a background check on the company or the firm that you're interested in joining is definitely one of the key points that uh, anyone could have. So thank you very much, Jenny, for sharing that point with us. Uh, I'd like to lend some time to Kimi as well. Uh, Kimi, what are your observations in terms of opportunities in the legal sector? Yeah, thanks, Ethan. Happy to take this. It's a privilege for me to be able to recruit across all industries. And I've seen how each sector continues to hold its demand for specific skill sets. For example, such as industry expertise in financial services, maybe like your banking matters, financing, even technology, manufacturing and retail, for example. And it continues to be important to have a niche in a specific area. Now, I know that there are two schools of thought on whether to generalize or specialize, but if you are on the fence about specializing, I would say be bold and do it loud and proud because somewhere out there, there will come a time where what you focus in will come in handy and open the right doors for you so long as you want to make it work. And for those who cover broad sectors or work on a variety of matters, such as those coming from a law firm capacity, do not worry as there too are roles for you. Perhaps we can have a little segment later to discuss being versatile and having transferable skills. Now, just wanting to touch a little bit on the construction side of things where I was from, construction experience also has seen to be relevant in the sense of increasing number of projects and infrastructure work that we have seen in this country. And this is applicable to both in-house and private practice opportunities. Technology lawyers also continue to be sought after and experience dealing with contracts related to IT, software, hardware, licensing, even cloud services are good to have to pursue a career in this realm. Mm, good stuff, Kimi. I think um completely agree. And I think I want to add to what Kimi has just shared as well. And here are some stories uh, between the two of us, which we have you know, came across during our time as legal recruiters. So we have seen an increase in demand for lawyers with experience in projects, construction, and infrastructure experience. This is the case for those with non-contentious portfolios especially. Uh, this is in consonant with the market movements within the renewable energy industry, taking into account of the Malaysia Renewable Energy Roadmap, which I think um, our government is currently rolling out, which I'm sure our listeners right now may have read, uh, read, read about it on the news. Within our landscape, 
uh, in Malaysia, the supply of talents with this specialization is certainly lesser than your you know, corporate banking or litigation lawyers. That said, uh, we note that much of the project's work are actually done in-house, say for your you know, very large juicy deals, which when we see companies actually partnering with external legal firms, these would typically be with the top tier law firms, including your international law firms. In my view, the burning question then is whether this current increase in demand for lawyers with the particular specialization we mentioned would still be the case in five to 10 years from today. Food for thoughts, I guess, for those who are tuning in and yourself, as a, yourself to Ethan, I guess. So aside from projects and infrastructure, we have also placed litigation lawyers into in-house roles recently. Uh, I think we see more openness amongst employers for exploring disputes lawyers to take on legal compliance or even regulatory compliance counsel position. And that is not merely to limit um, employees' interests on litigation lawyers to handle only claims and disputes in an in-house position. I think this trend expands across financial services industry, automotive and OEM industry, as well as your pharmaceutical and healthcare industry. Very often, we understand that there is a trend to hire, and I quote, based on potential, where what happens is our hiring managers actually recognize that there's certain type of skill set which I think skilled litigation lawyers are able to offer, which uh, where they come from with the right attitude and with the right work ethos. Those are my thoughts. All right. Um, I think that's very insightful on the technical aspects and like sort of like the projections on where the legal sector is slowly developing towards. Um, I think I think currently the most hot topics would be IP, especially on intellectual property, uh, on AI, how how it affects a lot of privacy policies and how it regulates the media, you know. But um, anyway, thanks very much on this uh insightful comment. Uh, moving on to my next question. Speaking of skill sets, what are some of the most wanted or rather the core skills? Uh, one should have to be a versatile asset, especially in the legal field. Uh, maybe Kimi, you could mm. take this. Okay, sure. Um, just wanted to touch a little bit more on that, especially with re re regards to what Jenny mentioned about having the right attitude and work ethos as well. Now, because what are core skills or most wanted skills um, are really dependent on the role, the industry and the practice. And it is to a certain extent subject to or fluid with market movements, from a, from, be it from a microeconomy perspective, which focuses specifically on your practice area, like corporate M&A skills requiring your attention to detail, meticulousness or the macroeconomy perspective which has wider broader skills like problem solving business acumen that can take you far in any situation that you're in now, now of course whichever seniority we come from in the legal fraternity one question which lingers is the case for and against having a specialized practice and where that takes you should you wish to pivot into a different industry naturally the question is this i think are there actually transferable skill sets from a career in legal? Here's a caveat. What you set yourself to do from the onset of your practice may not necessarily bring you to exactly where you thought you wanted to be. Nevertheless, what you can and will take away are the transferable skills from the exposure that you had. To me, some of the skills which cannot go wrong include abilities to do the following four things. Number one, identify issues. Number two, condense complex or complicated concepts with a focus on problem solving and deliver digestible and practical advice. Number three, build and nurture long-term relationships and commercial rapport. 
And number four, being adaptable, agile, and having a growth and commercial mindset. Maybe I can hear from you, Jenny. What do you think? Is business and commercial acumen important in advancing your legal career? Yeah, Kimi, I think you're quite right on the transferable skill set point uh, earlier. So I think some of those skills which you have highlighted earlier would tie in with um, you know, the trend that I mentioned just now in terms of hiring based on potential, especially for litigation lawyers into an in-house position. Um, now, discussing further on the business and commercial acumen um, as a skill amongst lawyers, right? So I guess one question would be, what exactly is that? I mean, what, what does that mean, right? So for example, when in practice, you have hit your three to five years of PQE and you've decided that it is time to venture in-house or perhaps pursue a different career with the skill set you have acquired from your legal career. Or perhaps practice will always be your passion. Then what next after working under your partner for, let's say, five years now, right? So my view is this. It is that growth mindset and an acute understanding of the importance of applying legal concepts in a practical and commercial context, which perhaps will enable you to advance your career beyond being your run-of-the-mill lawyers. For example, some of the questions that you know, I can think of at the top of my head, right? So do you know what are the emerging industries in Malaysia? Why are they the emerging industries? What role does a lawyer play beyond rendering legal advice in a multi-million dollar deal? How can a lawyer add value to being a compliance counsel in a highly regulated industry, right? Who are the largest funds and investors out there which are looking at expanding its reach into Malaysia? Which industries are they actually eyeing? What is the case for lawyers with dual or even triple qualifications? For example, your obviously legal, corporate secretarial, and or even compliance certification. I guess your ability to think about how your answers are, you know, supported by tangible work experience and perhaps even your personal encounters with people from different walks of lives, coupled with an environment which cultivates and encourages lawyers to have a growth and commercial mindset. I think those are the ingredients which perhaps could enable you to set yourself apart from your peers. Those are my thoughts. All right, loads of interesting insights there from Kimi and Jenny. Um, just for the viewers listening right now, um, there was a technical, I mean like terminology which mentioned was PQE, which actually, just want to clarify, stands for post-qualification experience. Is that right, Jenny? Quite right, yes. Thank so you, like, for that. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So it's like three to five years after your qualification, right? Is that what you referred to? That, that is right. So right. we're referring to uh, upon your call to the bar, essentially. All right. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for clarif Thanks. clarifying on this. Um, no problem. To comment back on the uh, insights that you've just provided, perhaps this is from a combination of your legal practice and legal recruitment exposure. Um, will, it would be great if you could share with us what it is like being a legal recruiter. Maybe Kimi could go first now. Sure, happy to share about what I do at any time. So it's been extremely rewarding and fulfilling really to me. Um, but in order to reach there, it has really its challenging moments, both mentally and emotionally as well. Um, why do I say that? Maybe I can give you an example. Uh, I touched about mental agility earlier. Um, I would like to you know talk about why is it important in being a recruiter as well. For example, our first contact with a client when working on a role will be when taking a job brief and we'll need to be able to identify exactly 
the skill sets that are important for the role, the current pain points or gaps to fulfill, and the type of personality and culture fit that will suit the organization and hiring manager as well to have better chances at a successful recruitment. Now, this may seem obvious to you, but oftentimes these details can only be uncovered through the questions that we ask. And it is key to always stay mentally agile, be curious, and to ask many whys to truly understand the brief. Similarly, on the candidate's end, for me, it's very important to truly connect with them on a deeper level, more personal level, to understand what makes them tick and what their motivations are, and help them achieve that in the best possible way, all while being fair, reasonable, and keeping your own emotions and personal beliefs away. Why I say it's rewarding um, is because with each successful placement, you know that you've helped someone secure a new role and a client secure good talent and fulfill business needs and continuity. Great stuff. Um, I think personally for my transition from being a disputes lawyer to my current role as a recruitment consultant in legal, I definitely saw myself leveraging on the skills I've acquired from practice, but I think it doesn't end there. So the main part that I really had to learn and pick up uh, from my current career is that growth mindset, which I talked about earlier. I think the ability to see candidates' potential beyond their written CVs and the ability to see potential in different types of industries and more importantly, to collaborate with multiple stakeholders with differing interests, hoping to move towards the same common goal. Now, of course, delving into my day-to-day -day as a legal recruiter um, in RoboWorlds Malaysia calls for a separate discussion. <laughs> um, but I would say that I'll try to wrap it up uh, in something that I've recently shared um, on another platform as well. So there has been ups and downs, I think, in my career here, right? Much like how life is gen in general. But this journey has also given me purpose. That is to try my level best in my day-to-day, -day, connecting people for a get-to-know, so that that may lead to something which is more important to them, which might perhaps matter to them more, right? In coming into legal recruitment, there were mounted oppositions, I think, from my family members especially, with my decision to transition from being a practicing disputes lawyer to a recruiter. But I came in and I continue to believe that all lawyers, and especially you guys who are currently listening, we are ever-evolving creatures. And we are able to do what we strive for when we put our minds and our hearts to it. Whether that means leading a discussion in a meeting, or making a submission in court to challenge a novel point of law. After all, we are specialist consultants or legal advisors, be it in our capacity as lawyers or recruiters, right? Whilst recruitment in legal and corporate secretarial within the Malaysian market is still in its very adolescence, I think this means opportunity actually. For many out there, you know, for you and I, this also means to me opportunity for the right-minded to try to shape the industry as it evolves through the years whether that be through sharing market insights, um, you know, for example, over this chat, or having just a casual call uh, about someone's career move, just hearing you out on how we can assist you. Those are my thoughts. All right. Um, thank you for sharing. I think this is uh, a very good opportunity for listeners to understand what it's like being a legal recruiter, myself included. Might give it out a try in the future. Who knows? But um, yeah, uh, last question, for specifically for Kimi. Uh, could you share with us your the milestones that your career in recruitment that you have uh, achieved? Sure, happy to walk through briefly. Um, there, there are honestly so many milestones, big and small, as I progress through this role, right? Um, that, that can be either from meeting a client on my own for the first time, signing a new client on board, 
or handling new roles with unique requirements. For example, maybe the first time I hired for a company secretary, and I come from a litigation background, I had to learn all about the COSAC job nature and qualifications of being one. Um, and other milestones to, for example, being making my first placement, biggest placement and toughest placements as well. Um, not going to the details of each milestone, maybe we can have a separate chat on that, whoever who is interested, right? Um, but I just thought to share what my team leader has always encouraged from day one. The key is to always strive to be better than who you were yesterday. And 1% progress is still progress. That is what I would say is my daily milestone. Now, I'm privileged to have worked together with so many brilliant individuals across the candidate and client spectrum as well, all ambitious and driven in chasing their goals. And that has been really inspiring and motivating to have been part of. Humbled to have worked successfully on roles across seniority. So, so we recruit for the junior level, entry-level side, all the way up to heads of legal and partners as well. Um, my first promotion is also a milestone, right? So I would say celebrate the small wins and I'm really taking each day as it comes in full stride. Thank you so much, Kimi and Jenny. Uh, definitely, this will be our conclusion on today's episode. Great. <laughs> Thanks very much, Ethan. No worries. Um, definitely had an extremely valuable takeaway for myself and to all of, all of our listeners. Um, so check us out on Instagram at BAC Career Club for more content. Once again, I'm your host, Ethan, from BAC's Career Club. Tune in next time for more.